Hello, I'm Sasha O'Connell, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to Mission Is Possible, a series of audio episodes where we will break down and dig in to the management issues of particular relevance to the national security community. This is a joint project between GuideHouse, where I am a director in the national security practice, and the School of Public Affairs at American University. We are pleased to have you join us. In this episode, we're going to talk about a key success factor in the national security sector, recruiting. Specifically, the challenges federal law enforcement agencies face as it relates to marketing and branding for recruiting purposes. As you will hear, we hosted a live discussion at the National Law Enforcement Museum on this topic recently, where leaders from Customs and Border Protection, the FBI, Secret Service, and Homeland Security Investigations all engaged with the audience on these topics to discuss challenges, best practices, and ongoing gaps. The discussion was robust and covered a lot of interesting subtopics, and I'm excited to share some of that discussion with you here, along with some of the additional feedback each of those executives offered as part of this podcast production. To start, we'll jump right in and bring you into the room at the museum, where Ashley Madison, a human capital practice leader at GuideHouse, is kicking off the discussion. Federal law enforcement agencies are experiencing acute challenges with recruitment and hiring. Some of the challenges that that agencies represented here today are experiencing have a lot to do with a strong economy and historically low unemployment. Therefore, the labor market is very tight. Additionally, changing societal views on law enforcement careers, particularly amongst millennials, means that there's a shrinking talent pool of those that are looking for law enforcement jobs. Finally, you know, arduous background requirements and physical requirements of the hiring processes of these agencies against the backdrop of changing uh, societal views and state laws on recreational drug use and other things that make it more challenging for candidates to successfully move through the process make this a very complex and challenging issue. My panelists know that all too well, and what we hope to do here today is highlight best practices and lessons learned from across their organizations and start to talk about ways we can address this challenge. And I think, first and foremost, competing in this type of environment, it becomes even more essential to have a clear and compelling recruitment and marketing brand. During the event, we heard from four panelists who talked about the challenges and opportunities facing federal law enforcement agencies as they recruit new employees. Here is Rob Smith, Director of National Recruitment Division at CBP. The challenges being, you know, for particularly for the law enforcement roles, it's a long hiring process. There are numerous steps you have to get through. Some folks, again, find themselves wearied by the, the, the timeline it takes to get on board. Again, we believe that applicant care is a solution to that challenge, and we're working heavily to get to where we can get to where we can provide that applicant care throughout. That's why branding is critically important. It's also to combat challenges that you may not necessarily have a whole lot of control over. Here's Brian Lambert, Deputy Assistant Director of the Office of Human Resources at the U.S. Secret Service. What's unique to us right now is we're in an unprecedented growth stage. So what's been a little bit uncomfortable for for much of our organization is we've had to break some of our old molds. We never really put much into recruiting before the past two to three years. And we recognized, you mentioned briefly, some generational differences. And I'm a Gen Xer. Some of that, uh, myself, I have to break when our recruiting staff says we'd like to do this. And we have to force ourselves into some uncomfortable places. But that's been one of our unique challenges. Here is Dave Schlendorf, Assistant Director of the Human Resources Division of the FBI. 
one of our challenges, interestingly, is Hollywood traditionally recruited for us. The media recruited for us, and so we didn't spend a lot of time as an organization thinking about recruiting. Uh, and that kind of came back to bite us uh, when application volume for us went down pretty precipitously, probably starting three or four years ago. So I got to fortunately be the head of HR about three years ago, same time we're having an application <laughs> challenge, so timing was great on my part. You know, we had no LinkedIn profile at all, didn't exist. We weren't on Facebook, we weren't on Twitter, and just kind of convincing the internal organization we need to get on some of these things. Teams of lawyers who thought we shouldn't be on LinkedIn. What are you gonna do, you're gonna target people on LinkedIn? Yes, we're going to target people who put their resume there because they wanted to be found and find a job. So the bureaucracy has fought against us a little bit, I'd say. Our workforce right now today on the special agent side is 80% male and 82% white. Uh, nation, 40% racial ethnic minority, obviously 50% female. So we've spent a lot of time on the marketing, branding side, and just thinking about our recruiting process, trying to attract a more diverse applicant pool and trying to market to folks maybe that didn't grow up thinking about the FBI as a uh, potential path. This is Tatum King. Assistant Director for Mission Support, Homeland Security Investigations. We, believe it or not, though, we received tons of applications, thousands of applications. We're really good in, as far as being able to uh, attract the, the law enforcement types, but we're also trying to expand beyond that to reflect the communities that we serve across the U.S. So, you know, the Direct Hire Authority has been amazing for us from, from OPM. We utilized it for the first time last year. We're looking to get that renewed, but then we're going to be doing a, a targeted approach to colleges and universities so we can get that, that uh, fresh perspective, the diversity in backgrounds, ethnicities, uh, languages, but as well as the college degrees. We uh, enforce more than 400 laws, so there's a lot of different opportunities for agriculture, animal science, uh, accounting, attorneys. Uh, uh, you know, there's just a, a huge breadth of backgrounds that would really help us with the work we do, especially overseas, too, where we work with international partners. Once again, Brian Lambert. So with the Secret Service, we are 153 years old. But one of the things we capitalize on and that helps us is we're known. We've been around for a long time, and folks generally immediately recognize what it is you do. That is both a blessing and a curse. So people, if you ask them, what does the Secret Service do, they'll say, you protect the president. Okay. That's about 50% of what we do. And folks generally don't understand that we investigate financial crimes. So one of our challenges is we're competing for the same people who are often law enforcement and want to be a special agent. And you need to let folks know that we do criminal investigations, much like the Bureau has a very unique crime of counterintelligence. It's not something anybody else does. We do protective <laughs> intelligence. It's an odd investigation that often doesn't result in any type of arrest where you're assessing risk. But we don't often get that word out because everyone is so focused on the protection. We're very, as an organization, I imagine all law enforcement are, very averse to social media. I do not have but one social media account, and I just got it recently, and it's <laughs> LinkedIn. We're going after folks who are heavy social media users but we're not necessarily great and skilled at it. So that's been new for us. Please stay tuned after this episode and those to come for a bonus track where you will get to hear direct from HR executives in the federal law enforcement space what they are specifically looking for when they recruit candidates. We thought this would be of interest both to others in the HR space and those interested in jobs in this area.
After the event, I sat down with speakers to further elaborate on what was said. Mr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us. One thing that I you highlighted a bit in the panel that I wanted to follow up on is this idea of using your employees as brand ambassadors, right? And, and using them to create referrals. Can you talk a little bit more about how you encourage that? When we discovered last year in our data poll that uh, I believe at the time it was 22% of the folks who were applying for jobs in, in CBP were as a result of an employee referring them. We also learned from the data that a good number of those individuals also moved through the process quicker and even had a higher success rate in the process. So what that tells us is, you know, on one hand, what we're looking at doing as it relates to applicant care, it validates that because those individuals have the benefit of a recruiter, whether trained and official or not, someone to kind of hold their hand through the process and encourage them to stay in the process. I think that's what a lot of folks don't realize is so critically important because we are competing with, with other organizations. And most people don't apply for a job today that they're going to get next year. That's not normally how that works. So we realize that there's a great benefit to that. Mr. Schlendorf, great to have you here. I wanted to follow up for our listeners on a couple things that came up I know that are of particular relevance to you in your role at the FBI. One is the issue came up around when branding and messaging is being created in the departments and agencies, particularly in law enforcement, this issue of having balance between people involved in that who are agents and non-agents. And I'm curious just to hear a little bit more from you about how that plays out at the FBI. That's a great question. It's been evolving, I'd say, at the Bureau. For most of our history, we were a very agent-centric, agent-dominated organization. And the agent is still, I think, the most important job in the FBI. But the agent can't be successful without a whole team behind them making them successful. In the Human Resources Division, as we've thought about our branding and marketing efforts, we've got a minority of agents, a small number of agents, but they play a critical role in HR, helping us make sure our non-agents like myself that we understand the perspective of an agent, the perspective of a field agent, and the challenges that they're faced with. Most of our field recruiters traditionally have been agents. We're actually looking at more non-agents and professionalizing that role. I think the role of the recruiter isn't to be always the face of the FBI. Their job is to have kind of a, a stable of agents, I say, and they, they bring them out to different events. If you need a cyber agent, you bring a cyber agent. If you need a female agent, you bring a female agent. I think it's not always the best use of a really highly trained, really expensive special agent in the FBI to be a special agent recruiter. So that's a transformation we've been going through today in our 56 field offices. There's, I think, approximately five offices a day with a non-agent recruiter. You talked a bit about building capacity at the FBI and HR to collect some data to try and approximate some, some correlations there and to bring some folks in who are able to do that. Can you talk a little bit more? Um, was that a culture change in HR for the FBI? And are you getting there on the marketing side in terms of ROI? Yeah, I don't know if it was culture change. It's definitely a skill set change. It's a realization that we needed to measure everything that we do in HR to be able to prove that it's working and to be able to predict uh, what's going on. But to do it, actually, you actually have to set the systems up on the front end to be able to capture the information you want, have data cut in a way that's meaningful, and have people that are good and comfortable at doing that. And we really didn't have that in the FBI and HR several years ago, so we've had to build a team of specialists. They're, they're not special agents. They're data wonks. They're, they love Excel. They love <laughs> crazy or even more analytical tools in Excel. They get excited by the ability to take a piece of data, break it down, and help then a decision maker understand a problem in a better way. We've tried very hard not to manage by anecdote, but to really manage based on hard data and so as we try different advertising campaigns, as we try new website displays or images, what seems to be working? And we've realized over time, even the way we initially built our website several years ago didn't cut the pages in such a way that was easy to tell how someone flowed through the site, where they lost interest, what parts of the site were kind of 
we're more motivating the candidates. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sasha. And now, the bonus track I promised. Are you curious to know what each of these executives is looking for in a candidate? Here's what I found out when I asked them after the event. So what are the characteristics that you look for in applicants? I know there's a broad range of job series, but are there things that cut across or kind of any other advice you would have for applicants? I'm sure our listeners would be interested to hear. Here's Rob Smith. Well, I'll tell you, what I don't want to do is tell folks you're not eligible, because quite often when we start building profiles, we, we tell, you know, people hear it and they walk the other direction. You can be a teacher today and an agent tomorrow. You can be a cook in a kitchen and an officer tomorrow. The reality is we're looking for people that want to serve, people that want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, folks who, when they look back at their life, they can say, okay, I've left a legacy and I participated in protecting the freedoms that we get to experience as a nation. Thank you so much for your participation today. It's been wonderful to hear from you. Thank you. This was great. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. Thanks for joining us for this episode. To find out more information, visit us at guidehouse.com.